The following episode of the Bruin Family Insights podcast is brought to you by Westcom Credit Union. Serving Southern California for over 85 years, Westcom Credit Union is dedicated to helping Bruins and their families build better lives. Learn more at ucla.westcom.org. Welcome to Bruin Family Insights, where we equip Bruin families with knowledge to help you get to know UCLA better and encourage your students to thrive during their time at UCLA and beyond. I'm your host, Kayla Albana, and today we're continuing season three with a discussion on how to cultivate healthy communication with your college students. Today we have two special guests, Kendra Barreras and George Brown. Kendra is a fourth year anthropology and American Indian studies double major. She is vice president of the UCLA Alumni Scholars Club, a student scholarship club aimed at promoting higher education and community at UCLA. Kendra is also an undergraduate researcher for the Bigham Lab for Anthropological Genomics and a student researcher for the Chicano Studies Research Center. George has worked with UCLA scholarship recipients since 1999. He currently serves as the director of the Alumni Scholars Program, helping build community for over 500 scholarship recipients annually. And he works with an executive board of students to create and execute leadership development programming for students. Additionally, George helps lead the Student Alumni Association, which is made up of 100 spirited students who plan large-scale campus traditions. Kendra and George, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. I'm so glad to have you. Well, thank you thank for, you inviting, so us. for inviting us. Yeah, of course. Of course. I have a feeling this is going to be a fun one. So for those who didn't put it together when you heard these lovely folks' bios, uh, they work together quite a bit in the Alumni Scholars Club. So uh, they're a fun couple of folks for, for me to have, and, and I hope you all will enjoy what they have to say today. Uh, but first, before we start throwing some questions at you, Kendra and George, I do want to make sure we ask our Bruin trivia question which is, on average, how often do UCLA parents and family members speak with their Bruin? And the options are two to three times per day, one time per day, two to three times per week, two to three times per month, or one time a month or less. So to our listeners, uh, take a stab at what you think the answer is, and we will uh, reveal the answer at the end of our episode. But while people are sitting with that, we uh, have a few questions for you, George and Kendra, all about communication. So hopefully we're going to get a little bit of juicy information from you. <laughs> but, oh, wow. You're setting the expectations kind of high. <laughs> I know. But I'm going to just open this first one up to both of you. What are some current communication trends and or preferences that you see amongst UCLA students? You know, I think I see a lot of texting on campus. Maybe not for the best, but definitely in classes, I'll shoot a text to my mom. I know some peers that will ask for their parents' advice. So a lot of texting, not so much calling. Texting, not calling. I feel like that, I definitely see that even in my own life. I feel like a lot of people are moving away from that. 
I would totally agree with that. I, you know, it was funny because I knew that, that we were going to have this conversation today. So when I was meeting with a student earlier, I went through the list of questions, right? Just to, <laughs> to kind of cheat, right? And get, get some answers. And so she definitely said text, right? That's how she chooses to communicate. And depending on what's going on, it may be frequent or not so frequent, but calls are rare. You know, mm-hmm. FaceTime is rare. Um, it really is that texting that kind of just sends that instant message saying, hey, I'm alive. I'm OK. I'm having a good experience. And then they move on with their day. Yes, I feel bad, though, because I'm notoriously horrible at responding to text messages. But me I too, I'm glad to know it's not only me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the so to our parents listening, if your student doesn't reply to your text messages, it doesn't maybe get better. Maybe we've got to work around that a little bit. <laughs> you know, what was interesting about that conversation was that when she has incredibly good news to share, it's a phone call. But just yeah. Checking in, it's a text. So she just got her MCAT scores back today and she was super excited with how she did. So she picked up the phone and actually called her mom and her dad, said it's the first time that she's called in a month, but she texts on a regular basis. So she said when she's sharing information that she feels they're going to be excited about and not just, yes, I'm okay, she'll actually pick up the phone. Yeah, I like that perspective too. Texting just on the day to day, but when you have something big to share, I'm making a call that. I feel like that that is something I see as well. I want to follow that up, George, with another question for you. So we're saying we're, we're sitting pretty squarely in this text messaging space as a primary form of communication. How do you feel this has changed from previous generations of students you've worked with? Not to, you know, make make you sound like you've been around around for a <laughs> while, but we did say in your bio, you know, you've worked with students since 1999. Uh, how has this changed? Uh, in 1999, when I started, they didn't really have the ability to text. <laughs> right, <so much>. right. <laughs> I would say there there were more phone calls before. I'd get more calls from parents mm. before, kind of these helicopter parents that wanted to check in. Hey, is my student meeting their requirements? Are they going to be able to renew their scholarship? Yeah. And uh, you know, me trying to emphasize this is a conversation that you should be having with your son or daughter and that your son or daughter should be having with me, right? It shouldn't be that other way around. But I feel like in my earlier days, uh, it was a lot more of telephone calls, right? Even more so than email, mm-hmm. right? And I still don't think email is a huge communication tools between families, right? Unless there's documents to transfer. But, you know, to say hi, it's, it's that immediate response in a text and then sometimes a phone call. But in the beginning of my career, it was definitely all phone calls. And I feel like the communication happened more frequently back then, you know, yeah, these young adults that are here in college felt more of an obligation to connect right. with their parents than I see now. You know, I see a little bit more independence, which in a lot of ways is a good thing. You know, I, I really think part of this experience for UCLA students is really growing and learning how to be independent mm-hmm. and how to. F- problem solve on your own. And that can't happen when you're constantly running every single situation, you know, by your parent or guardian. And so seeing students take the initiative to make these bigger decisions on their own that are really shaping their life and their dreams is nice to see, you know, and I still believe there's a place for parents in that background to be supportive and to be cheerleaders and to provide advice when asked and when it's needed. Um, But really seeing these young people take initiative definitely is a bright side to this end of my career. Yeah. 
And I will just throw it out there for folks that George is not only coming from the perspective of his professional experience, but he's also the parent of a college student and an almost college student. So uh, this is his own life experience as well. Kayla, it sure is. I live a mile and a half away from Cal State Northridge, where my older daughter goes. And and I was like, you cannot live at home. You must live on campus, right? So she moved back. She is a five-year student. She was on the extended plan. I think she wanted to stretch the limitations of our wallet. And so she she's just, you know, taking another year. I'm just happy she's graduating in May. That's exciting for us. But the, her first four years, she was living on campus. She was always welcome to come home but was left to kind of figure and navigate things out on her own because that's part of what this is. And what I didn't want to happen is for her to go through her four years of college and end up kind of at the same maturity level that she was when she started, right? Because you get one opportunity at this and it's a lot easier to do now when you're there to guide and direct when there are hurdles than it is to do once they've gone graduated and gone to grad school or started a career and got their own apartment and need to learn these things of responsibility. There were times when my daughter didn't have a whole lot of disposable (laughs) income left because she had chosen to go to Sephora and buy makeup and do all of these things. And so she had to pay the price for that. You know, that was part of this learning experience. And I tell you, this year, fifth year that she moved back home, she has a new appreciation for being at home. She does dishes. She asked permission to go places. She's not late. I mean, it is a different person than that what left four years ago. And I don't think that would have happened if that experience wasn't there for her. George is out here preaching today. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell I'm a little passionate about that piece. (laughs) I do want to put you in the hot seat a bit, Kendra, about your own family experience. Um, How often do you communicate with your parents uh, and family and what methods do you tend to use in order to do that? You know, we were talking about how bad of texters we are. And I think my preferred method for my parents, especially, is just calling them. So I have a lot of younger siblings and the mornings can be so chaotic. But at least like I know they'll put me on speaker and I'll be hearing like all these screams in the background (laughs) and the kids are running around. They can't find their shoes and stuff like that. But I think just calling my parents every morning. So I talk to my parents daily. Shockingly, I know that's pretty rare for a college (laughs) student. But uh, yeah, I talk to them in the morning, every single day. And if I have time in the evenings, they're like somehow very, very early sleepers. The sun goes down, they're in bed, (laughs) the kids are watching TV. That's what we do as old people, Kendra. You know, George, it's like 7 p.m. and I can't call my parents because I know they're asleep. So I'll just shoot them a text when it's time to go to bed or when I'm going to go out and do something. But other than that, I really, really like to just call them every single morning. And throughout the day, if I'm get if I get bored in class or if I get if I'm really lonely and none of my friends are answering to any of my texts because we're all horrible texters, <laughs> I'll like call my mom randomly, I'll bother her at work, do stuff like that. But that's kind of my preferred method. Okay. And you said you have younger siblings. How many do you have? How old are they? I have three younger siblings. I have a 10-year-old little sister, a six-year-old little brother, and a two-year-old baby sister. Oh my goodness. chaos in my house. Right. All the time. They're all future Bruins. I love it. I love it. So then, you know, you mentioned being on speakerphone. It sounds like, especially because of the ages of your siblings, the phone call is also really helpful to be able to connect with everyone because I imagine two-year-old baby sister is not texting you. (laughs) 
you know what? You'd be surprised. Really? Sometimes I'll get like very random letters and the blurbs. She might be watching like Coco Melon on the phone and she'll text random people. But uh, yeah, it really helps me catch up with everybody all in one. And I, I know you made a joke of, I know that's shocking for a college student, but <laughs> I think it's helpful to hear yeah, even from what George was saying to kind of your experience with your family that there there's no one right way to communicate. Definitely, um, I imagine, and I might be I might be jumping ahead here a little bit, but it's in my brain right now. Um, I imagine that that's probably something you and your family talked a little bit about when you started college. Like, what are our expectations around communicating? Or you developed a rhythm that worked for you? Yeah, you know, it's different because COVID was such a big part of my Mm. college career. Mm -hmm. So it did take up two years and I was at home for those two years. So I think I got so used to seeing my parents every day and just coming off of classes, shutting my computer and then telling them, oh, mom, like this class, I learned this (laughs) or mom, this class, like somebody said something that was just so different than my normal perspective. So I think I got used to really analyzing my life and my college career through my parents' eyes and bouncing ideas which I think could be a useful tool for some students. For other students, I know that they really like to be independent. I will like call my mom asking her if I should get like the chicken panini (laughs) or the spicy chicken pesto. But yeah, I think it just differs. Yeah, Uh, We never really had that conversation early on. We definitely kind of just went with, oh yeah, you're living in the dorms now. Like check in, (laughs) don't be a stranger. And it just kind of developed as to like, oh, you know, I need to say hi to my little sibling. I need to say hi to my dad. Right. It'll just be different. And I, I like the perspective there again, just thinking about George, your situation with your daughter and the knowledge that she needed, she needed some more space to make her decisions, to make her mistakes in order for her to grow and develop. And I think Kendra, for you, that development was happening in other ways. And so you were able to maintain that connection and you have a leadership role almost in your family, it sounds like, as the oldest sibling. And so Mm -hmm. it's a different dynamic uh, there with with such young siblings at home. Definitely is. Every Bruin family is different. So it's great to see the difference. Certainly. All right. We could we could keep chatting down this rabbit hole for a while. Um, and I, I think we've alluded to this. So I want to explore it a little further. What factors, whether it be developmental, environmental, or situational or otherwise, have you noticed impact the way students communicate with their parents and families throughout their time in college? So, you know, we've already given a couple of personal examples of that, whether it be the need to have space to develop or the need to connect with your family uh, around specific issues or on a daily basis or leave more of that space. You know, I, I think we've talked a little bit about that, but what other what other general factors do you think uh, impact that process? I think one big thing for college students is midterms and midterm season. So really anytime that a class is getting a little harder or there's there's a big deadline coming up or you're going out a lot with friends is a time that I kind of separate a little bit more from my family. And my mom will even notice like, oh, hey, like she'll shoot me a text. I'll be like, hey, I hope your week was great. Like I know it's week X number. So I think yesterday she was like, I hope you have a great week six. It'll be great. (laughs) Uh, I know you're in midterm season, so don't worry about like calling every day. So it's just stuff like that to be aware of. Yeah, great point. You know, I really believe that the UCLA experience is 
very different than a high school experience. And I say that because, you know, we're on a quarter system mm -hmm. here versus most high schools that are on a semester system. So things move at a much faster pace. So I think that, you know, when students first come, you know, all they know is what they've experienced, right? And so they've they've experienced challenging classes and heavy workloads and being super involved and engaged. But when you come to UCLA, it's whatever you experience times 10, right? There's a hundred thousand more things to get involved in. You're living amongst friends and community. And then you have classes that are moving at a very rapid pace. And so it's going to take some time for your student to kind of get adjusted, to figure this out, what it looks like. And I think having these set expectations on how much you're going to talk and how you're going to talk before they even get here, a lot of that is thrown out of the mm -hmm. window, right? And then then one side has hurt feelings or feels like, hey, you should be connecting more. I really want to know how you're doing. I want to make sure you're safe and all that. And and the student is just like, I'm just trying to navigate life. Like, this is yeah. crazy to me compared to anything I've experienced before. You know, so I think it's important that we give some grace to students while they try to adjust. And maybe this communication thing is something that you guys figure out together as they start to feel more comfortable, right? And know what they can handle. And I don't think when a lot of times, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule, but most of the time when you don't hear from your student as often as you think you should, it's not a lack of care or thought. It, it's just a feeling of being overwhelmed and having so much more on their plate than what they've ever experienced, right? And and trying to fit in, right? Those That first year is really trying to find your place uh, on campus, what it is you're engaged in, what you want to take a leadership role in, all of that is different for different students. And trying to figure that out in an environment that is so competitive is stressful. And so, you know, I think we kind of have to take ourselves out of it for a moment and say, you know what, my son or daughter is really trying to figure out how they can navigate this campus. And I'm going to allow that to happen. And then we'll revisit how often we communicate and how we do that and what works best for us. But I think if you put this stress on it, it changes that dynamic of that relationship, right? And so it's very important that whatever you guys decide, you decide together and that what meets everybody's needs in a perfect world versus us just expressing our needs as parents or them expressing their needs as the student and then one side feeling, you know, a little off balance. So I, you know, my advice would be to just give them some time, let them figure things out, take a deep breath, right? And that doesn't mean you can't send them a text and say, just thinking about you, hoping you're navigating your week, yeah. right? What, with no expectation of that. That doesn't mean, hey, they didn't call me back. I just sent them a text five minutes ago, right? But with no expectation, reach out, let them know that you care, because I think that that's important. They need that while you're here, right? But they also need there to be no consequence should they not reply in the time or the fashion that we see fit as parents. As you're saying that, George, I think about three things. I think about, to your point of not putting pressure on that, a plan or expectations around communication is always going to be it's ever evolving. Like there's not going to be mm -hmm. one set way. And I think you bring up a great point about when students are starting school versus at Kendra, you brought up midterms versus maybe a more regular rhythm. So I love that. I also think there are some really easy ways if you're concerned about like, is your student alive and well, <laughs> there are some really easy ways to create kind of a code with your student. I know some of our parents council members have said that their code with their student is just P-O-L, 
proof of life. And <laughs> they, they text that to their student. Their student knows, like, they're just looking to know that their student's okay. And so the student will send back, like, thumbs up. I'm good. There can even be, like, a basic way of having your student let you know that they're okay. So it's ever evolving. You can create simple ways to touch base when times are busy and they need that space for that, for sure. I think some of the best texts that I've gotten from my mom have been those like very sporadic, like, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. And I'll just send like a red heart or something. And I know I'll catch up with her at some point, but perhaps like we're really busy in a certain point of our lives or in a certain point of that week. Yeah, definitely having some grace. Yeah. And encouraging your student that that's okay to send that red heart or to just say, I'm really busy, but I'll check in with you later that you should not take offense to that. Certainly. Okay. So speaking of some fun little ways for parents to get their student to connect with them, even when they're busy, I want to broaden that conversation a little bit to talk more generally about effective communication strategies. So What are some of those strategies that you think parents and family members can use to encourage their student to open up to them about their college experience? So not even just specifically, how do I get my student to communicate with me, but how do they create an environment where their student wants to share with them what's going on, whether it's great stuff or challenges or things that may be affecting their well-being? Um, What are some strategies to open up those lines of communication? So I think one thing that worked really well for my family is sharing overall and not expecting just one way sharing. When I first got to college, I think there was this weird expectation in my household of, oh, you need to tell us like what's going on in your life and what you ate (laughs) and what shoes you use and everything to the smallest of details. But then at that time, it was the first time that I was away from home for an extended period of time and I wasn't hearing anything from home. So I wasn't hearing how my dog was doing. Mm. I wasn't hearing if like my sunflowers in my gardener were blooming or just any of those random details that I think to some extent, we don't realize how much we miss until we're over Mm. here being college students and busy with life. So I think part of the tools that my parents used was they started sharing little blips of their life. So they would tell me like, oh, you know, your dad lost his shoe today because your dog (laughs) ate it. And so it was just very random stories. They sometimes even just texted them to me, but they just sent those texts and they would make me feel like, oh my goodness, like they miss me too because they care and they care to share a little part of their life with me. And so it didn't necessarily feel like I was doing all the work and I was sharing all this information. Um, So yeah, I think part of the big deal with communication is feeling like you care, but you're also cared for. Yeah, I love that too, because I think it's a good transition into your relationship as an adult child with your parents, because that is something that maybe parents haven't done before is share more about their lives with their students. It's a good segue into what your relationship will be even after college, I feel like. George, I know you're just dying (laughs) to share. I'm going to go on a limb. I'll probably never be invited back here on a podcast again (laughs) on any topic. I know I'm not going to be popular with parents for this answer, but I'm going to go for it anyway because I feel like we need the truth, right? I think think it is important to not stress your students out or why would they want to call Mm. anyway? Um, (laughs) You know, I can honestly say I think that I am a better parent because of my experience 
working with all of these students and hearing all of the things that are challenging for them. And it's really caused me to reevaluate how I parent, the conversations that I have with my kids, and how much I interject and how much I let them kind of figure things out on their own with some guidance in the background. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many students have sat in my office in tears over the level of stress that their families have created mm. for them, right? Whether it be the pressure that you need to be a doctor, you need to be a lawyer, you need to go to grad school, you need to do this, you need to get all A's or whatever it looks like, right? For that individual family, this heightened level of stress on an already stressful situation does serious damage to a student's mental health. And I knew from these conversations that I've shared with students over the years that I didn't want to do that to my kids. And it caused me to have to really reevaluate because my expectations were high, right? I expected straight yeah. A's. You have every opportunity in front of you. You don't necessarily have to work. You, you don't need for anything. You don't want for anything. You know, you can go out and shop and do the things that you want to do. I expect you to get perfect grades, yeah. right? And for one of my kids, that was that's realistic. For the other one that's at CSUN right now, that wasn't. I don't care how hard she worked and how much dedication, she wasn't going to pull straight A's. And so by me continuing those conversations and showing disappointment when that wasn't achieved, just did damage, right? Instead of me saying, you know what, these are unique individuals, and more importantly than what I see for her future, it's what she wants to mm -hmm. do with her life. I can share my life experience where I've struggled, where I maybe should have made different decisions, but ultimately it's her responsibility and her right to figure out what's best for her. I can't live through her. I can't be a doctor because she's mm -hmm. a doctor, right? I need to let her decide what is best for her life and support that in the best way that I can. And so if you are having challenges, you know, communicating with your student, I would encourage you to evaluate what do those conversations look like when you have them, right? Are you sharing in the student's joy and excitement of what they've accomplished and what they're learning and the experiences they're having? Or are you using that time to put pressure and expectations on what they're doing while they're here at UCLA? Now, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect your student to pass the classes, right? Like, <laughs> Let's hope. I'm not saying, I'm not saying spend thousands of dollars and not care what happens, but allow your student to make some decisions for themselves. Allow them to feel like they can come and talk to you about their stresses without getting a lecture, you know, about how they're doing everything wrong and should be doing everything the way that you told them to do it before they even left for UCLA. Yeah. And so really listening, I think, is a key to opening that door to want to have communication. But I think that we can all honestly say, if we really ask ourselves, we don't want to communicate to someone where everything is negative, right? Or we're going to get pushback on everything, whether it be our family, our work, whatever the case may be. And so I would encourage each of you guys, when you are talking to your student, to really try to listen, right? And see. And that doesn't mean you can't share your experience or give advice, but don't add another layer of pressure and stress that doesn't have to be there. Because what happens is they leave the conversation with you worse off than when they started. And then they end up in my office trying to figure out 
why they feel the way that they do, you know, and, and I sympathize with that and I feel for that. And so I would just encourage you to try to make the conversations positive. It doesn't mean that you don't have expectations. It just means you, you set your expectations to match the child or the student that you're dealing with. Yes. You can come back after that, George. That's, that's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Kayla. <laughs> I, no, I, I think it's really important advice. And I think you both shared really important nuggets there, like share two ways and create a safe environment for your student is really what I'm hearing from you, George. Create mm-hmm. a safe environment that has realistic expectations. Um, I yes. think all of that will be super helpful to families. So, okay, Kendra, I want to go back to something that you mentioned, which is that you talk with your parents daily. Uh, how do you keep communication consistent with them, uh, with either your parents or your family members in general? What what does that look like for you? You know what? I think it goes back to what George was saying, where the expectation is truly zero in my family. I don't think I ever really receive a pressure of you haven't called home or you haven't checked in on us or anything like that ever for my parents. And I've been really lucky that for the last four years, they've never once told me, especially in a midterm week, they've never made me feel worse about like, oh, I have so much going on and I still have to call home. I think it was more of them reiterating so many times. And at the time I was just like, okay, this is kind of a little annoying (laughs) when they were first talking about it. But when I first stepped on campus, they said to me like, oh, do not be afraid of telling us your good things, your bad things, if you trip down the stairs and you were really embarrassed, feel free to share any story and we're going to be here and we're going to listen. And they didn't tell me, oh, we're going to be here and we're going to give you advice or we're going to tell you what mm. to do. But they just told me like they would be someone that I could take on my college experience without feeling like, oh, I'm carrying these people in my back and they like keep asking me for food, yeah. they keep asking me for things. So it was really just setting that expectation to zero, like George was saying, and telling me like, feel free to share anything. If you want to share and if you don't want to share, that's fine. There's been times where I'll call home and it'll be like a 10 second call because the baby will be crying in the background and it's just not happening for that day. But I called and I know that they're safe and I know that I'm safe and we're all doing well. And there's times that I will talk on the phone with my mom for an hour and a half on like a random walk around campus. And then I'll like look at my Apple watch and it'll be like, oh, a mile and a half walk (laughs) or three miles walk. Like workout done, right. talk to my mom done, mental health is secured. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's kind of the strategies that we use. So what I'm hearing then is you want to consistently communicate with your parents because they don't set the expectation that you have to talk to them every day or that you have to tell them specific details. Right. It's just kind of just like, oh, we're here. You know, we're your parents and it'll be fine. I will add to that. One of our parents council members said that she should, she's two Bruins. And she said that she realized, you know, when, when her older student would call with issues or, or struggles, she would initially try to solve those things. And then she realized that yeah. all her student wanted was for her to listen. Like she, her student didn't want yeah. her to go and solve the issue for her or find the office on campus that she needed to call and take care of her daughter's issue or whatever. It was just, she wanted someone to listen. And I think that's so rare in college, especially because as a college student, you oftentimes feel like, oh, well, you know, I can't go to my friends with this because either it's really embarrassing or what are they going to do? We're all going through the yeah. same boat. We're all like struggling with the midterm. But unless I ask my parents like, hey, I need advice on this, they will keep it quiet they might shoot me a text like, hey, have you solved that? Like, how's it going? They'll check up on it. Like three weeks later, the issue is long gone. It's fine. 
Okay. I have more of a technical question for you. I think it's, I think it's kind of a juicy one. Um, and George, you can feel free Ooh. to share some thoughts if you have them, but Kendra, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on location tracking services? Like find my friends as a substitute in order to stay in the loop. If a student is not communicating, can George is already shaking his head. No. Oh no, this is such a juicy question. <laughs> It's difficult to answer because while the ideal world is my parents know where I'm at and it'll be fine if I get kidnapped or something that shouldn't happen but could happen out in the world, they would know where I'm at because of that. But realistically, there there will be no time where my parents should be checking up on what I'm doing at a random hour or if I'm in the library or if I said that I was going to go to Starbucks and I ended up at Pete's Coffee. I think that application leads to conversations of saying like, oh, you told me you were going to be in this mm. place. And you ended up going to this place. And I feel like as a student, if that were to be ever my experience, I would feel kind of micromanaged by my parent. I wouldn't feel as independent as I should. That being said, my parents do have my location. (laughs) But you also have, it sounds like, a really healthy relationship with your family and that they're not checking your location every day. I also think they don't even know how to work find my friends. (laughs) So I shared it for them. They didn't even ask That's me. That's really funny. And I don't even think they know that they have it, right? But I think it's a useful app, but especially for students whose parents are so far away, my family lives four hours away. Realistically, like they can't do much more than any of my friends could. So I do share my location with also some of my friends and I'll shoot them a text like, hey, you know, I'm at this place and I like, I'll need help getting home or this or that. And I think they're more useful than my parents. I think it's like, what are my parents going to do? They're not going to fly over here, make it, get an Uber, go pick me up or anything like that. So yeah, those are just my thoughts. Yeah, George, tell us. Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay, let me let me add some context. I'll start with the question to our parents and families that are listening to this podcast. Were your parents able to track you when you were a teenager, young adult, and know exactly where you were going, if you were headed to the restroom or whatever the case? No. So, you know, I, I see the value in it. So my yeah. wife, she has it, right? And the kids are on it. They asked me to get on and I was like, absolutely not. Nobody needs to know where I'm at 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you want to know, ask me, but like, I'm not going to be trapped, but I understand. So I'm going to share a quick story and I'll make it quick because I was told before this because people know me that like I can't talk forever, right? So I'm going to keep it brief. I have two girls. Uh, The one that's in college, she's actually my stepdaughter, right? And uh, my wife was married before they had a kid. When we started dating, Hannah was four years old. Been with her her whole life. Hannah is my stepdaughter. So Hannah's dad is still very involved. We all get along very well, right? So we were having an issue with Hannah. And so the uh, Hannah's dad had come over. So my wife, myself, and he could talk about how we wanted to address this with Hannah and how we wanted to deal with it. Well, because Hannah has the tracker, right? So we selected a time that Hannah wasn't going to be home. Since Hannah has the tracker, she saw that her dad was at our house and called and was like, why is dad over at the house? What are you guys talking about? I'm like, how do you know he's here? She's like, I'm tracking his location. I'm like, this is weird. So I'm not for it. But I do believe, you know, I'm big on trust, right? And so as long as you don't break my trust, I don't feel that I need these tools to be able to monitor and track you. 
if there is no trust there, but you still need to go out and do things, then I believe that these these things can be useful as far as parenting is concerned. I just don't feel that at a college age that I need to know the location of my student all of the time, right? I'm trusting that they will share that information with me. And to be perfectly honest, sometimes I don't want to know. Like, you know, <laughs> my daughter is is 23. If she goes out with her friends to the bar, I don't want to know that, right? <laughs> I, I, I want her to be responsible and to Uber and to not drive and to not drink to the point of not being able to, you know, be in control of situations. All of those things are important to me. But knowing that she's at the bar, unless I decide to put my clothes on and drive down there, is of Won't no do use. do you any good. Right. And so all it's going to do is cause me to worry about what is she doing? And when I do talk to her, if she wasn't still living at home, that's going to change the dynamic of our conversation, right? Because now I'm going to be backtracking on everything I saw in her moving around on this app instead of just asking, how are you doing? How's school going? I miss you. I love you, right? And so to me, I find challenge in them. But now in Kendra's situation, right, which in all honesty, Kendra, you have one of the best relationships that I've heard about with your parents. Thank you. So you should be very proud of that. I am. You know, I'm sh- sure there are many parents listening, including myself, that are like, wow, I would really like to have that <laughs> relationship. So for you, I don't think the app is weird, right? Because I don't see your parents sitting around tracking you all of the time, right? There's a level of trust there. But for some parents, I think it will just cause more stress than what's necessary. Oh, yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah. I think part of why I'm just so okay with my parents having my location is like, realistically, I don't even think they could find their phone if it went missing. (laughs) (laughs) No offense to my parents, but they will call me and they'll like, they'll have to tell me like, can you hack me to find my location on where your dad (laughs) left your phone or like left my phone or whatnot? So I'll have to do like that whole experiment. (laughs) But yeah. I definitely do agree with what you said, George. It sounds like we're landing on a situational yes, but only like very situationally, generally, probably not the best tool for communication purposes. That was the juicy answer. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Again, it has its place. It has its time. It's probably not to keep track of what your student is doing all the time. Okay, Kendra, have you noticed any communication style shifts between you and your parents? And you mentioned living at home for an extended period of time because of COVID. So I I think this is an especially relevant question. Have you noticed any shifts between when you return for breaks or when you were living at home during COVID and like house rules you may have grown up with or expectations that may have been set when you're under your parents' roof versus the independence that you experience when you're living on campus? And if yes, how do you navigate that? I think when I was in high school, both my parents worked. So I was really home alone right after high school and right after practice. So if I was going to go out, I would have to ask them like, hey, was wondering if I could go out with so-and-so and I'd be back at this point and give them like all these details just to make sure that our schedules, like maybe we had a planned dinner or something that I didn't know about. Um, so that was kind of very, very high school level communication. As soon as I got to college, my fall and winter, a little bit of winter quarter was uninterrupted and then COVID came along. So for those two periods of time, my parents kind of didn't ask. They're just like, yeah, do whatever. <laughs> um, and then Winter Florida came along, I transitioned back home. And right around that time, I think 
it was strange time for all of us because none of us were really seeing any other human faces outside of Zoom boxes. So my parents really stressed on me, like, you need to do your school. Like, I know it's on Zoom, but that doesn't mean that you can't be present. So they would definitely tell me like, oh, what's your schedule look like? Mm. Are you going to go to class this day? Are you going to class like this week? If not, you can come out and do this lunch with us or whatnot. So they'd be very like, do whatever, but just don't be like running around the house while we're working type of thing. And then after I came back from COVID and I like visit my parents, I'm now living in LA full time. So when I do visit my parents on the weekends and I want to go out with friends, I'll tell them like, hey, I'm going out with friends at this time, just letting you know. And I think that's more of like a courtesy thing rather than Mm -hmm. asking permission, unless they tell me like, oh man, like I was baking a cake and I really (laughs) wanted you to try. Or might like text my friends, like, can we push back a little bit? But it's never a matter of like, could you please let me go out to this place? And they would never say like, oh, you can't go out because you haven't cleaned your room or you haven't like cleaned up after the dog or anything like that. I think it's very much I'm like, I'm now a guest in Mm. my own house, which for many people might be scary, but I'm living the life. I get to eat all the snacks, (laughs) go out with friends and then like pretend like I'm not there with free food. I know that's not everybody's experience. I like what you said, though, that it's a courtesy versus an expectation. And I think that can be a way to open that conversation for our parents listening with their student to say, you know, I would love for you to let me know what you're doing, but it's not because I'm trying to keep track of you. It's just because I just want to know what's going on. It's, It's a courteous thing to do versus I am expecting you to tell me every bit of your schedule. So I love, I love that part of it. And I love that even in your like really flexible dynamic with your parents, there still was that bit of push and pull around COVID of like, are you going to class? Are you doing the thing? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? So every family has those experiences, but I think it, it sounds like for you, the courtesy piece probably has been really helpful to you in maintaining that healthy dynamic. Um, and not having your parents be overwhelming uh, in their desire to know more from you about what's going on. Yeah. I think as students, we we do recognize it is our parents' home and we do still have rules to be respected. I'm not going to be throwing a party while my parents are in the house. But it is very much we've been living independent for so long. And it's weird to just randomly go back and then have to tell my parents as like a 22-year-old, like, hey, please do this maybe at this hour and give so many specific details that I don't really even know myself at this point yeah but, yeah courtesy is the key word courtesy is the key um, and I want to follow that up with a question for you George about how you suggest families navigate those communication or dynamic shifts with their students I I love that you shared your transition with Hannah of giving her that space has made her even more developed or or has it caused her to have some growth around that now that she is back in the house with you but how do you suggest folks navigate that you know one thing that I've always tried to do is be consistent with my expectation right like I don't shift it I don't go against it because I want my daughter to do what she says she's going to do right whatever that may be if you say you're going to you know take three classes that's great take three classes if you say you're going to get a part-time job fine and in return i try to do the same thing if i tell you i'm going to do something for you even if it becomes inconvenient or it becomes a challenge with time or finances or whatever i'm going to keep my word and i'm going to do that and so i found that 
you know, over the years in being consistent with what I say I'm going to do, it has it has allowed her to see the importance of that consistency. And I think that living in an environment that wasn't consistent the first four years of college definitely may gave her a different appreciation. But what I also try to do is to always have honest and authentic conversations, right? So like Kendra was talking about, you know, as a courtesy, allowing, you know, her parents to know that she's going out or whatever the case may be. With Hannah moving back this year, you know, one of the conversations I had with her is that, hey, just because your living situation is changing doesn't mean that mine mm. is, right? And I'm not going to be up during the week until two or three in the morning waiting for you to come home. There's something different about you not coming home every day and me not worrying than me expecting you to come through that door and being up until you get home. So, you know, you need to be home by 11 o'clock during the week. If you want to go out on the weekend, that's fine. I just need to pause and say, yes, Kendra <laughs> clearly has thoughts, George. <laughs> Sorry, George, 11 o'clock is so early. <laughs> I got to go to bed. I'm an old dude, right? I got to get up and go to work the next day. So like, now, if you choose to, if you choose to go hang out with your girlfriends and and then spend the night there, I'm not going to tell you no. But if you're going to walk through my door, you best walk through by 11 o'clock. Because otherwise the alarm said your code isn't going to work wait, in the door it's not, anymore. Let's listen to this for a second. Because it's not about George micromanaging her. It sounds like it's more about fitting her in her life into your situation. Because what I heard yeah. you say was the alarm is going to go off. The alarm is going to go off. <laughs> It's about maintaining your consi- like your consistency yeah. is kind of what I'm hearing, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Honestly, I think that oftentimes students gain their independence and then they'll come home either after college or during a break or whatever the case may be. And they've grown as an individual, right? They're more independent. They've taken on more responsibility. And now they feel like they are an equal adult in the household. And so while I have tried to navigate change and grow with Hannah as she's had college experiences, I want her to clearly know that she is not an equal adult in this household, right? She does not pay rent. She doesn't pay any bills. She doesn't buy food. She doesn't even cook. She gets cooked for. There's somebody that comes in and cleans her space for her. Like she is not an equal player here, right? She is... She is a member of this family who is living in our house right now, but this is not somewhere where she dictates rules and regulations and things like that. So I believe in growing and all of that, but the rules of this household stay the same. And if you don't like them, then we can talk about other spaces for you to be. But I'm going to be consistent in my expectation of you anytime you walk in this house and live in this house. Now, I will have respect for you in different ways, right? Like, there are things that she once did for herself that I will do, right? Because like, I'll go put gas in your car for you. I'll take your car to the car wash because I see that your life has changed, right? You are now, you have a part-time job, you're studying, you know, you've gotten a supervisory role at your job. Like you are growing and taking on more responsibility and I am going to do whatever I can to help you navigate that and put you in a position to be successful. So if I can take some stress off your plate at home, I'm going to do that. But basic rules, I don't switch on those. They're going to be the same whether she's 23 or 43. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just goes with 
you know, as an adult, I never went into my mom's house and dictated anything while I was in college or while I was out of college, you know, after I graduated, those rules apply, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I don't care if you follow directions. And I never got in trouble as a kid, right? My mom had no reason not to trust me or to be harsh on me or anything like that. But the rules were always the same. They never changed. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I began to expect. Like, that's how it's going to operate. Now, they started to change when she got older and then would come to my house to visit, right? Things were different. Like, you can put your feet up on the table if you want to, (laughs) if you're relaxing watching TV at her house. That had never happened, (laughs) right? But I really believe that you have to really try to grow with your son or daughter. I think that the types of conversations that you have with them as they mature should mature. I think that in any relationship, you will get more information if you share more information. And let your student know that you're human, right? You made mistakes too. I think so often as parents, we try to act like we have it all figured out and we were perfect and we didn't have any challenges. I'll be the first one to tell you I had challenges like growing up things were difficult like emotionally things were stressful for me moving out things were stressful for me you know I went through a bunch of things and so I share those now with Hannah you know these are some struggles I had and I'm not telling you whatever I'm telling you because I want you to do what I tell you to do I'm telling you so you have as much information to eliminate some of the challenges that I may have gone through growing up right and so those conversations have definitely shifted as she's mature yeah. because when she was younger, those are not conversations that I would have. It's just do what I said for you to do. And there's no discussion about it. Now there's discussion, there's explanation. There's a reason why I feel this way, you know, and my, my younger daughter had her first like boyfriend kind of thing. And I was telling her, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm telling you this because I was once a 16 year old boy too. Like <laughs> I, I know how they think. Right. And so Later on, you know, things didn't work out. And she came back and said, you know, dad, I should have just listened to you from the beginning. You know, you were you were telling me things I didn't believe you. And I said, I believe that it's my responsibility to share as much information to make your journey as easy as possible. And so, you know, as you guys are dealing with your college students, you know, you were in college once you had stresses and things that went really well and maybe things that you would have done differently you know, don't be afraid to share those situations. It just makes you more human to your student, right? And if you're more human to your student, they're going to be more willing to share because they see you've turned out okay, right? And you went through some of these same obstacles and had to navigate these situations as they did. But if you never let them in to see that, then, you know, you're just a parent, so to speak. Well, with that, I do need to land our plane here. So I want to close with a question that we ask all of our guests here on the podcast. And that is, what does family mean to you? And let's start with you, Kendra. So I think for me, it's unconditionally loving and supportive, whether it's friends or or blood relatives, it's people that are there to see you thrive and see you succeed. I love it. All right. I'm trying to think about George is like Webster's Dictionary (laughs) says. George is like, let me tell you a story. (laughs) You know, it's funny, Kendra, because when you said unconditional love, right? When I was thinking about this question in advance, I was like, "Mm, 
It's unconditional love. Are you going to steal my answer? No, I'm not stealing your love because (laughs) after further evaluation, I realized that family isn't really unconditional love. There's conditions, right? We don't say that often, but, you know, if you come into my house and and you try to knock me out, I mean, I love you the same way, right? And so there's conditions on it. But I think for me, family is, despite the condition or situation, it's a place that you can always come back to and feel safe. The people that are around you are always going to embrace you. They may not trust you. They may not (laughs) be feeling you in a particular moment. They may be disappointed in a decision, but you will always have space to come back and be nurtured and cared about. And to me, that's what family is. Because there's some family that I have that I don't love unconditionally. But if they needed me, I would be You'll there be in there. a minute. I would be there I, love that, I will say that's probably the most unique answer we've gotten to that question <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. But I appreciate your context around it because I think that's important. Family is complicated and mm-hmm. looks yeah. different for everybody. But I think that is a unifying characteristic is that it's not perfect. There's always going to be challenge and uh, everybody has to navigate that in a way that makes sense for them and their loved ones. Well, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Before we close, I do need to give the answer to our trivia question. Trivia. Oh my goodness. What's the answer? So really quickly, I'll recap the question. It was on average, how often do UCLA parents and family members speak with their Bruin? And the options were two to three times a day, one time a day, two to three times a week, two to three times a month, one time a month or less. Kendra's family is one time a day. (laughs) (laughs) At least. According to our 2022 parent and family survey result, on average, most UCLA family members speak with their Bruin two to three times per week. So if you're not daily, it's okay. Uh, Two to three times a week is the average. Honestly, the biggest takeaway there is whatever works best for your family, as long as you are talking about that, that is what makes most sense for you. Uh, But on average, two, three times a week and modes of communication include phone calls, text messages, and video chat. Those were the the top three ways that people were communicating. Um, Again, thank you both for your time. This was really fun. And I'm always glad to have your perspectives and um, let our parents hear some of the folks who are on on the front lines with our students in a lot of different ways, whether being a student yourself, Akendra or George, working with our students um, in their day-to-day lives. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for, for sure. the thank opportunity. You for having us. It was wonderful. And Kendra, having working with you for the last four years, you're an exceptional young lady oh. and your parents are very lucky. Oh, Thank you, George. Your daughters are exceptional incredibly lucky too. I might just go cry in your cubicle now. Uh oh. <laughs> it'll be tears of joy, don't worry. <laughs> Thank you, Kayla. Thanks. You've been listening to Bruin Family Insights, brought to you by the UCLA Parent and Family Association. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Westcom Credit Union. Our guests today were Kendra Barreras, UCLA student and vice president of the Alumni Scholars Club, and George Brown, director with UCLA Student Alumni Programs and Family Engagement. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe, tell a friend, or share your support on social media. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.